are listening to Prickly and Blooming, brought to you by LaJoy Society. And now, your hostess, Jesse Browning. All right, all right, all right. Hey, everyone. It's Wednesday, and I'm so happy to have you here again. I've said this before. Maybe it's not Wednesday. You might be listening to this Thursday or maybe Friday, or sometimes I see you guys listen to a lot on Saturdays. But regardless, hi, friends. It's like the ultimate you know, mom meetup is like, I don't care what you look like. I don't care. I just want to see you. (laughs) I just want to hang out. It's like, I don't care when you can listen. I'm just so happy y'all are listening. It means the world to me. This project is something that, you know, I've, I'm making my way through. It's me. I have an editing team, if you will, that, you know, I've hired and, and they do the audio editing and they create the show notes and that kind of thing. But otherwise it's me. And I'm booking these guests and I'm creating the social media stuff and I'm I'm like doing all this stuff and I love it. I love it. And I just want to say like I'm super fucking proud of myself. So we're taking that moment right now because I don't think I've talked about it very much of how proud I am of this project. And I keep, you know, I've, I've definitely expressed my gratitude to the women for showing up for this project. But I'm going to take a minute right now and say like I'm fucking doing it. And I think I did at the end of season one. I I did take a moment, but here we are in the middle of, well, maybe a little more than middle way or kind of halfway. I don't know. Near the halfway point of season two. And I just want to say again that I'm feeling proud of myself. So this week, I love these stories. I love these stories so much. So I have Hannah Bauman with me today. And she is someone who y'all are going to see yourselves or someone you know in this story because it's an all too familiar story. This is the like, let's call it the like checking the boxes of life story, but dying inside, (laughs) you know, just not understanding what your place in the world is and just checking the boxes and going through the motions. And then there's just a moment where you can't go on like that anymore. And there's always your, your gut, your insides are always there whispering, sometimes shouting at you of where to go and what to do. This is Hannah's story. You're going to, you're going to hear it and you're going to understand and be like, oh, yep. The checking the boxes story, you know, and how you uncheck, not, you don't uncheck the boxes. You start writing a story instead of checking boxes. Uh, oh, and that's a perfect metaphor you'll hear as we get into <laughs> Hannah's interview. Of course I said writing a story. All right. One more thing before we go. You're doing it. You're rating. You're hitting the stars. I love it. Y'all keep up the good work. If you've heard this before and you've already done the stars, you can just sit back and bask in your accomplishment. But if you haven't rated the show for me yet, go ahead. Take a, take a second. Pick up your phone. I'll, I'm just going to like grab a sip of water while you grab your phone. Go ahead, go ahead, grab it. Ah, a little H-E-B sparkling water sip. Okay, you got your phone? Okay. Um, so you're listening on some sort of, you know, app and you can go ahead. And, a lot of you, I can see a lot of you are listening on Apple Podcasts. So whatever, you know, app you're on, but we're just going to ch- continue to talk about Apple Podcasts because that's the most one used. Okay, go to the show and you find go to the bot where the reviews are and this is right of you, but you can also just rate the show. See the stars there. Boom. Hit it. Look, you're done. Sit back, 
go back to your cleaning. Does everybody, does everybody listen to podcasts while you clean? That's what I do. Oh, okay. If you were driving, don't do this while you're driving. Okay. Just wait. Sorry. I should have, oh, I should have given that uh, disclaimer in the beginning. I don't like phones while driving. Okay. Now that I've gotten, <laughs> I've gotten that order of business out of the way, we're going to, we're going to send it over to Hannah and I in our conversation. Okay, so I'm here with Hannah today. Hello, Hannah. Hi, how are you? We're doing well. You know, it's it's a beautiful morning. I got some incense burning. It's like, life is good. How about you? Life is good here too. A little hot, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's humid here today as well, which is unusual. Yeah, gotta love the South, right? Yes, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> so we always start off with just like, tell us a little bit about yourself that you want people to know before we hear your story. Okay, um, I am Hannah Bauman. I am a book editor and author and a writing coach. Um, I live in Raleigh, North Carolina with my fiance and our two cats. Aww. That's pretty much it. <laughs> what are your cats' names? Iggy what and Riker. <gasps> Ooh. Riker, like yeah. Riker's Island? Uh, like Riker from Star Trek The Next Generation. <laughs> oh, got it. I yep. never watched Star Trek. Okay, no, my no. dad started me young on Star Trek. Got so. it. My mom didn't like anything sci-fi. Like, we didn't oh, no, that's Star one of my Wars. favorites. I know. I missed out. <laughs> uh, anyway, <laughs> I'm like, I could, could go on about that. <laughs> I'd be fine with that. Yeah, yeah. we Maybe. another episode, Yeah, right? <laughs> different direction, but... Yeah. <laughs> okay, so, you know, how we start the show is there's a moment where we all kind of identify that things, what do I call it, either the just not this moment or this can't be my life or, you know, so tell, take us to yours. Sure. Okay, so I've had two um, this can't be my life moments. Uh-huh. Um, the first one was when I was like 17, 18, mm-hmm. um, and I got diagnosed with an autoimmune disease that it runs in the family, so it was like not really a surprise, but, you know, mm-hmm. when you're that age, it's not something you mm-hmm. expect. But then the really big one that came in recent years was I left my corporate job one day, and I went to my mom and dad's house after work, And I just had, like, for some reason, I just went to, like, a full-blown panic attack. Wow. Yeah, it hadn't been a bad day at work, but I think I was just, like, my body knew I was at the end of my rope. Yeah. So that was kind of like, holy shit, like, what's wrong with me? Right, right. Yeah, so that was a big turning point. I'm sure. Oh, wow. All right. So we'll, um, we'll hear more about that. But let's let's roll back a little bit in time and tell us, you know, how you got to that day, how you got to, you know, to the point where I'm assuming you had the job you thought you wanted and everything was going great. And pretty, pretty much. much. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, so take us back. So um, I'll take you back to the very, very beginning. Sure. Um, when I was very little, um, mm-hmm. I really loved reading and writing and making up stories. Um, and I always said I wanted to be a writer when I grew up. Mm-hmm. And even as I thought I might have wanted other jobs, I still continued on with that like writer path, I guess. Like it's always mm-hmm. been part of me. Cliche as that might sound. Oh. Um, and so I got to college and I was like, well, I'm going to double major in English and political science because why not? Right. I'm interested right. in those things. And there was always so much pushback, not, not from like my family or my parents. They were always like, yeah, you know, do what you want. You can do anything. But other people would be like, oh, you can't make money if you're a writer. You know, you have to do something more practical than that. So I thought maybe I could go to law school. Maybe I could do, you know, 
something in that realm that kind of incorporated both. Let's just say that's certainly not the path that I ended (laughs) up on. Um, When I was in my later years in college, when I was a junior, I actually just took an editing class because... I needed the credits and I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. Mm-hmm. And it was like, it was like love at first sight. <laughs> um, oh, interesting. Yeah, it was just like, I I hadn't been sure where I was going before that. I just knew mm-hmm. it was going to be something with my degree. Mm-hmm. And editing was just like, it was just it. I, I knew that was what I wanted to do. But that was back in like, that was probably like 2012. And back then, like, you know, indie publishing and self-publishing weren't big yet. So I didn't know I could go that route. Unless I moved to New York City, it was going to be impossible to get a job at like, you know, Penguin Random House or something. Right. Um, Are all the major, just as a, as a lay person. (laughs) Yeah. Are all the major, what is it, book houses? Yeah. Publishing houses. Publishing houses. Yeah. Are they, they're all in New York. Yeah. They're in cities like New York, London, um, big metropolitan areas like that. And as much as I would have loved to move to London, um, that wasn't going to (laughs) happen. Right. Um, (laughs) And so I kind of just fell into this like weird balance of like legal and corporate editing. Believe it or not, that's a thing. Oh, I I, uh, okay. Like, like editing lawsuits no, well legal, like well yeah, so <laughs> so let me go back to when I was in college okay. yeah, yeah so sorry, I met okay. the, I met this professor in an editing mm-hmm. workshop and he like he just became like my mentor with editing and he mm-hmm. told me about you know the university had um a graduate certification is what they call it for editing it's like half okay. a master's degree um, okay he was like you know I really think you should do this you know blah 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 and he got me on board and I was really excited but I needed to work while I was in grad school. Right. Um, and he actually ended up helping me get a job as an editor for the Florida Senate. Oh. <laughs> um, right. Yeah, that was, well. Were you I, in Florida I, at the time? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Sorry. I went to Florida State um, okay. University. Um but I just thought, you know, wow, this is like the perfect balance between editing and my political science degree I just got. Right. True wasn't for me I'll just put it that way um very stressful very fast-paced very interesting but definitely not what I wanted to do but I stuck it out and you know continued on with just kind of that like boring side of editing I think Mm -hmm. it's boring um Mm -hmm. while I finished up grad school I still thought I wanted to be a fiction editor but there just didn't seem to be any resources or anything besides what I learned in school. Mm-hmm. And did it not seem like there was a, a there was no path to that? That's what that it what felt it like. like. It felt mm-hmm. just right. impossible. Right. Not even like I had to climb a mountain, just like the mountain didn't exist. Got it. Mm-hmm. So I ended up moving to Washington, D.C. next. Mm-hmm. To further the political science. Yeah, I'm sure you can see where this is going, uh-huh. right? Yes. <laughs> um, and I actually ended up as an in-house editor for government contractors. Do you know much about the government contracting world? No. (laughs) I Um, think it would upset me, though. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's basically like the government has, you know, services they need to procure. And so private companies who think they can do that have to write these proposals. And it's like really like strict guidelines and all this stuff. And that was the industry I was in when I had my oh shit moment. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so like I'm like, wait, what this is you know how you, you know, find out of like this exists, this is a job, this is an industry of editing, yep. 
fascinated. <laughs> yeah, it's. Whoa. I mean, I, I certainly learned a lot, and it was yeah. interesting to see what these companies could do and like what the government needed. Right. Um. But yeah, certainly not for me. I'll I'll put it that way. Right. <laughs> so what? Like, paint the picture for us. Like what? Okay. You worked in an office. Yeah. Like. How many people were there? I'm fascinated by this. Like, sure. What did it look like? So yeah. the first company I was at, it was pretty small, um, mm-hmm. maybe like 50 people who actually worked in like the corporate office. Mm-hmm. And then they had people out on these, you know, jobs they did for the government. But okay. our, t- our team that I dealt with was like seven people, maybe. Um, because you were writing, you were writing and editing all the proposals. Yeah, right. So is it kind of like grant writing? Yeah, that it would be very similar to that. Okay. Um, but very high stakes. I'm talking like hundred million dollar contract type of stakes. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, very important, <laughs> very mm-hmm. important work because you help keep people employed and you're helping, you know, th- the infrastructure of the com- country. Kind of that's right, what your company right. does. Um, so very, very high pressure. How long did you do this for? Like I, when did you like oh before gosh, you had when a did moment? I do that? Mm-hmm. Um, I was probably in that for about two years before I had that moment. Okay, so it was a while. It yeah, was a while, were... and it was, I knew it was building, too. I knew right. it was going to happen. But even when I still, you know, broke down from it, I was like, I can't believe this is where I ended up. Like, this is never what seven-year-old Hannah, who wanted to be a writer, thought she would be in. Right. Yeah, like, describe, okay, like, this is such a great, describe of what seven-year-old Hannah as a <laughs> dream thought what it would look like, and then tell me what it felt like in real life. Yeah, so, I mean, seven-year-old Hannah thought she would be writing, like, you know, fiction stories, fiction mm-hmm. books. Um, mm-hmm. I remember even one of the first, well, one of the remaining, like, copies that my mom still has that when I wrote when I was a kid... Um, I wrote about a mouse who lived with George Washington. <laughs> um, so, you know, very like, I've always loved fantasy and science fiction. Mm-hmm. And I was so sure that was the route I would end up on when I was seven. Mm-hmm. And then here I was in this office with people calling me at 10 p.m. saying, we need you to edit this, um, which is not a good time to be editing anyway. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, no, um, no and brain it's, work at 10 p.m. Right. And it's like, we can't have any mistakes. Like, there's $100 million on the line. So very very different worlds yeah Yeah. um yeah so while i'm sure there are people who love that work Mm -hmm. it really wore me down and i just Mm -hmm. knew i can't keep going like this for like 30 40 years you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, how many so you said that there was like seven people in your department yeah so were you all working on all those things yeah we would work on them together i was the only one who was like a copy editor Um, okay but I would help with, you know, writing and all that okay. stuff as well. And were, because you were fresh out of college, were other people at that point in their career or most of them had been there for like, like you said, a long time that you could do this for 30, 40 years? Yeah. So three of us were around that like early to mid 20s uh-huh. age. And then the others were all had been there for like 30, 40 years in the industry, not necessarily that job. But right. yeah. Right. Did it pay well? <sighs> It paid well if you didn't live in D.C. or the D.C. area. Um, okay. Which is one of the most expensive in the U.S. Right. Probably second um, to like San Francisco, right? Yeah. <laughs> so it was like, you think it's going to be worth it. And then you're like, where did all I'm my money go? It went to my broke. rent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm making good money, but I'm broke. Yeah. Cost of living. Yeah, exactly. So, okay. 
there's a day where you feel it. Like, how do you, what, do you remember like how it started to like percolate? You know, were you like, this is just like, were the hours too long? Was it just the mentality uh, or was it just like the, the lack of purpose with the work? Yeah. So I think it was all of those things. Mm -hmm. Um, It started with the, with the hours. Um, I remember even one time I got in trouble with my manager because after work, I went with my now fiance to um, a movie after work for like two hours and didn't answer my phone, obviously. Um, And it was like, oh, we needed you. Like, where were you? Um, You know, no one told me there was something going on that I needed to be around for. And I think that was kind of like, that was my first, yeah, that was my first, like, you know, what the hell? Like, how can you be mad if you didn't tell me that I needed to be aware of it? Right. And And then, yeah. Beyond the work hours, right? Yeah. We went at, you know, like 6 p.m. and we got out of the movie at like 8 and, you know, I had like seven missed calls um and some emails and it was just like yeah that was part of it the you know oh we need you to edit this at 10 p.m you know working in that office for sometimes like 12 14 hours a day um Mm -hmm. and you know when you're salaried like you don't even get the benefit of working extra hours (laughs) right so there was that there was the pressure of like we have to win we have to win we have to win um Mm -hmm. which came not really from my team but the people above us Mm -hmm. um which i i mean you know i get it Mm -hmm. of course a company needs cash flow the revenue yeah Yeah, of Mm -hmm. course like i totally understand it logically but when you're in that position at least I'm not suited for that kind of, um, that kind of pressure. So that was building, you know, my parents literally lived five minutes down the road from my fiance and I, and I never got to see them. It just, it sucked. And I think, you know, every morning I would wake up and I'd be like, I don't want to go to work today, mm-hmm. which, you know, I'm sure a lot of people feel that way and it's terrible. And I, you know, I wish people didn't, but it just, it built up to me in a point where you know, my body like revolted right, <laughs> against right. it. And, you know, my mom was standing there like, what's happening? <laughs> right. What's happening to yeah. you? Yeah. So uh, you met your, met your fiance at work? <laughs> did I? No. Did I? Um, oh. So we, we met when, um, when I was finishing up grad school, I moved, he moved up probably about six months later. To DC? Yeah, to DC. We were both, had lived in Florida for a very long time. Florida is much more relaxed than DC. Like you go to the really, grocery I store. Imagine. Yeah, like you go to the grocery store and people are just like angry. Uh, in DC. I, yeah. And I mean, mm-hmm. I was starting to feel that way because of the you know, of the work so many people do there. I think it was mm-hmm. just, you know, it makes people Stressful. miserable, honestly. Mm-hmm. It, like after I had that panic attack and I, you know, I went home and he had gotten home from work and I told him and it was kind of like something has to change Mm because he wasn't happy either. I mean, he never had a breakdown like that, but Mm -hmm. we both knew this is not where we're supposed to be or what we're supposed to be doing. Right. And what was he, I thought I heard that he he worked there too, right? No, he didn't. Um, He, no, he was not involved in any contracting. Okay. He He was just in DC. Yeah. He just moved up to be with me and he had a different job. Yeah. Got it. 
So, okay, let's like, let's go into that day. Like what do you remember? Like, did you leave work early or was it at the end of the day and you drove to your parents' house? Tell me about that day. Yeah. So I actually left on time for once. <laughs> oh, okay. So instead of yeah, staying late, you left yeah, on time. Funny enough. Got it. Yeah. Um, I got to my mom's house at like, you know, five 30 traffic hadn't been bad. And mm-hmm. I d- honestly, I don't remember much more than that mm-hmm. in terms of like what was going on, but something about my mom was like oh you know how was your day sweetie it was just like well the floodgates have opened. boom right like <laughs> yeah and I had never had a panic attack before that mm-hmm. so I was like I mean if if you've never had one or if people listening have never had one it's very scary it's just like out of control you feel like you're in danger I mean usually you're not but mm-hmm. you know our brain and our body thinks we are mm-hmm. um it's like into yeah. a heart attack yeah, like that's really. Go, yeah, it was like, am I going to die? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, people go to the emergency room thinking they're have a heart attack, and and they get told that they're having a panic attack. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, my mom had never seen me have one either. Um, I don't mm-hmm. think she's ever had one. So she's like, "What do I do?" Like, mm-hmm. you know, my dad got home, and I had calmed down by that point, and they were like, "I think this is, you know, you need to do some soul searching and figure out what you want mm-hmm. if this isn't it." Mm-hmm. Um, and it even it even felt so weird because my parents had moved up actually about four months after I did because my mm-hmm. dad ended up getting a job in DC. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> um, so it was like great that they moved there, um, but like this wasn't the house that I had really grown up in. It was just this weird townhouse they were renting mm-hmm. for the time being, um, and it just felt like everything was so wrong, you know? Right. That's intense yeah it was yeah it's not a great day no no they usually aren't yeah (laughs) but then like it's it's out of those days that we have when we admit like I'm not in a good spot right now like this is something like like I imagine you probably said like this can't be my life and I don't know what to do next but it's just not this this just can't be how it's gonna be I'm not sure what's next yeah but I just have to start putting feet in front of the other to something else that's that was exactly it i i knew and i knew deep down in my heart and soul that i wanted to do something with fiction Mm -hmm. um and fiction writing but you know what did that look like dc was so expensive i couldn't just like quit my job to try to write a book right um you know that wasn't an option i certainly didn't want to try to move to new york city and like start at the bottom of the food chain and editing um Mm -hmm. that wasn't a good option either so, I mean, I, after that, I think I stayed for another, like, six or eight months working in that industry just because I didn't have an answer. Did you leave that job, though? What happened after that day? After, like, oh gosh, the panic attack? I can't remember if that was at my first job there or my second job there. Oh, you took like another so position. I did because I thought, like, maybe this will that help. That would work. Right. It didn't. <laughs> Spoiler <laughs> alert. Everywhere um, you go. Yeah, shocking that the exact same are. job just said it five miles down the road isn't the answer either. Um, <laughs> you heard it first here, folks. Yeah. <laughs> Breaking news. Um, yeah. But yeah, and it was just, you know, every time I would look online for like editing jobs in mm-hmm. the area, it was, that's always what it was. It was either with grant writing, proposal writing, or something in that industry and it's like well right. okay this isn't working so what do mm-hmm. i do right is that when you started the soul like i'm like did you do your mom's soul searching task <laughs> i did it was i kept going around in a circle because mm-hmm. i was like well i live here 
these are the only jobs here, but it's not mm-hmm. the job I want to do. And it was mm-hmm. just around and around and around mm-hmm. in my head because I, I just didn't know anything else. Right. And so I ended up actually starting a writing blog um, that my, my fiance actually named it for me. Oh. Um, it was between the lines editorial and I would okay. post, you know, like tips for writing your book and, mm-hmm. you know, like fiction writing and all that. And I was like, well, this is really fun for me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's my hobby. I love it. At least it was something to bring me joy. Right. When mm-hmm. I got home from work, if I got home on time. <laughs> right. With enough um, time to be able to do that. Right. Right. But so, you know, it was at least it was a little it was a little spark of something. And I actually had a couple people who then asked, like, well, can you edit my book? And I was like, oh, I could edit your book. What? Okay. And it okay, was. So was this starting to happen while you still were working? It and was. Okay. Um, and I was like, I don't know how I'm going to make it work with a full time job that often goes over hours but I'm gonna like try to figure it out to at least try it because I thought well this might be an out if it could work okay Mm -hmm. I didn't know anything about freelancing I didn't know anything about pricing my services I didn't Mm -hmm. know anything about running a business but I thought Mm -hmm. you know at least here's an opportunity so I was editing for like literally no money basically (laughs) but when I was doing it I was like here's the joy again like this is what I felt Mm -hmm. You know, that first time I walked into an editing class years ago and felt mm-hmm. that love at first sight, that's what it was all over again. So that that was when the seed kind of planted of, well, I think this is what I want to do, but how the hell do I replace my big corporate salary that's barely even enough here mm-hmm. with freelancing? Because, mm-hmm. I mean, there's that myth of, you know, freelancers don't make any money, which I <laughs> sur- I definitely bought into that. And, you know, the starving artist and all that crap right, right, that people yes. like to tote around. Um, yes, their worthiness is wrapped into how much you suffer. Yep. Gosh, right. that's so, so toxic. That's another story for another day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, that was kind of, that was my first glimpse of, like, this is my way out. I know where you sit now. So, yeah, <laughs> like, something's <laughs> happened. So how did it transition? Like, you yep. don't live in D.C. anymore. Yep. I know you don't work in that field yep. anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> one of the problems with working in an industry like that, where they need mm-hmm. you all the time, mm-hmm. even if it's kind of understandable, you don't really get to take any vacation time. So it's like, I can't even go recharge. But right. actually, my brother and his wife moved from Florida to Raleigh, North Carolina. And I hadn't seen my brother in like, probably like a year and a half and so my fiance and I were like well let's go let's go visit them um Mm -hmm. because I was actually my brother and I were both born in Raleigh um, oh really yeah because my my dad was air force for a long time and it was just you know where he was stationed when we were born I thought you know well I haven't been to Raleigh since I was like three years old like let me go see my brother um it'll be you know two days is it far it's uh, it's, a, it's a four hour drive so yeah it, yeah, okay. yeah we could do like an overnight that's in the neighborhood the in texas <laughs> yeah exactly um it's it's certainly not that far so we drove down and and my brother and his wife were kind of showing us their favorite spots and they were like oh we love it here and they had moved from orlando so it was kind of like a downsize in terms of mm-hmm. city mm-hmm. and things to do mm-hmm. but they just loved it so much and my fiance and i as we were driving back to dc we were kind of like we really like Raleigh. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it's an interesting balance between there's so much to do in like the Raleigh Durham Triangle area. Mm-hmm. You know, there are museums and parks and a lot of tennis, which I have played since I was very small. And my fiance plays tennis and we were like, well, it's definitely better than DC for us, even if right. we don't like it. 
we can always move again. This was kind of our thought process. Um, It was like, maybe this is the change we're looking for. Maybe it's not, but at least it's something to try. Right. So we both started looking for jobs in Raleigh and my fiance found one. I did not. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But there's not, you know, somebody can get us there. Right. So, you know, there's not a lot of um, book publishing going on in Raleigh. (laughs) They really like to centralize that shit on you. don't They they? they do. And it's, (laughs) it's so crazy. And there's so, there's so many problems with that. But I even looked at, because a lot of those government contractors that are in DC have satellite offices in Raleigh. Okay, so you thought maybe... I was like, you know, at least if it would pay the bills for a right. little while and not be in D.C., Even maybe it would be better. Killing my soul. I'll, I'll right. look it up. Right. right. <laughs> um, you know, gotta eat, right? Right, yeah. That didn't work out. I just... There just weren't any openings for the type of experience I had, um, which actually mm-hmm. ended up being a blessing in disguise. Yeah. Because we... We were like, well, we're going to take this leap of faith that I'm going to find a job once we move there. Cost mm-hmm. of living is like a third of what D.C. is, so we'll be fine mm-hmm. for a few months. And as, you know, like a few weeks went by that I still wasn't finding any work. Mm-hmm. I was like, maybe I need to revisit this freelance thing. Because were was... you doing were you doing work? Freelance? I was. I was. During this time. Yeah. Yeah. I had I had a couple projects and I was like, I know that there's a market for it, but I don't know mm-hmm. anything about this. Mm-hmm. Not the editing side. I'm, you know, pro at that. Right. But, you got that. But right, but the, how to make it into a thing. Right. Spoiler alert. I've been doing it full time now for just over three years. Um, actually, Boom. like this month. Yeah. So I made it work. But there have been many little oh shit moments <laughs> in those right. three years. Um it's been a no roller way. coaster. Yeah. <laughs> so really just like moving to a new city, you know, having um, a little bit of stability through your fiance's job and having a little, it was kind of like maybe a perfect, you know, storm of all these little, you know, like a, the three things I just said. And then also you having like a little bit of your, your, your blog and your website traffic providing yeah. some income and you just decided to do it. Uh, yeah. I mean, did you, did you like I okay, think, stop looking for a job yeah this you know it actually job. it honestly took me like a year before I stopped trying to find an office job mm-hmm. editing um mm-hmm. and I think part of that was I still had a lot of anxiety um and even though I was like seeing a therapist and stuff for it um to try to help me you know learn mm-hmm. to to live with it and overcome it it was there was still so much fear of like, okay, well, what if this client's my last client? Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a lot of imposter syndrome of mm-hmm. well, shit. What if I'm just making all this up as I go? Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of what we all do. I mean, mm-hmm. we know the skills we know, but like the business side of it was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that first year, but I think it was, I think it was kind of the universe being like, Hannah, you're going to do it now or you're going to do it never. So, like, you might as well just go for it. And, you know, I think my parents thought I was, like, not, like, crazy, but they were just, like, you know, we believe in you, but just, like... Do you have a backup plan? Basically, (laughs) uh, you know, because, you know, they just want their kids to be stable and healthy and happy. Freelancing is definitely not the most stable thing. Um, Not Mm -hmm. when you're starting out, but once Mm -hmm. you get the ball rolling, I, I think it can be... It's been really amazing for me. So mm-hmm. it's like being an entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah. You're, 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 there's you. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I similar things with my parents. Like, are you sure? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and is that where, 
let me ask you this is like that kind of familial it's not pressure pressure is not the right word but how about familial expectation is what kind of propelled you to take a job you knew you know what I mean like I think some people can do it right I think there are some people that can do it and they can go to work and they don't care yeah and there are people like you and I (laughs) yeah that just can't do stuff like that yeah yeah I mean it it definitely was just not the environment for me. Like I had mm-hmm. coworkers who were like, I love this. And they had their like 30 mm-hmm. year plan mapped out for their career. Mm-hmm. And it's like, great. I'm going to go over here. <laughs> right. You just um, have a different creative gene. I feel yeah, like possibly. Yeah. But- you know, it, it's funny. My mom actually, she like, she was an English major and she's mm-hmm. always loved writing. And mm-hmm. my dad is a scientist. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I got the best of both worlds for sure growing up, but I think with my parents, as much as they want me to live my dream, it's kind of like every parent, right? It's like, well, you have to pay bills. So while you chase Mm -hmm. your dream, like, just please don't, you know, not Mm -hmm. work. But as soon as my parents saw, like, the job was killing my soul, they were like, okay, we got to get you out of here. Right. Um, Which I know so many people don't have. And I'm so, so grateful for that, that my parents have always just been, you know, gung-ho about whatever we're excited about. Right, right. I think there's just a lot of expectation put on like uh, checking the boxes, right? And it sounds like yeah. you're checking the boxes of like I'm going to go to school, I'm going to yeah. get another degree, I'm going to do this. I'm gonna, this is how you are successful is by getting a job that pays a lot and da 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 da. da. I mean, and that society not, tells us that. Yes. Um even gosh, I remember school <laughs> school tells us that. I even remember um my mom told me once that their neighbors in Florida, like when I was still an undergrad and doing my, you know, poli sci English thing, their neighbors literally said, why did you let her pick that? They're like, she's not going to get a job. And my parents were like, you know, mind your business. Right. Um, but it's even like just strangers who mm-hmm. still perpetuate the myth that there's not a job for an English major mm-hmm. and people who perpetuate the myth that there's not a job for a creative person. Right. Right. It's just the starving artists. Yeah. And I definitely... I like absorbed that message it was never Mm -hmm. from my parents but it was always from everyone else Mm -hmm. um you know the media the neighbors Mm -hmm. the advisors in school right it's something that you can you can have on the side but you need to participate in polite corporate society like the rest of us yeah exactly right um and I still Uh I still even feel that way some days some days I wake Mm -hmm. up and I'm like should I go get a corporate job and then I'm like what like what's wrong with me like Mm -hmm. I've made it work and I still think that way sometimes Um, uh same we've been at uh gosh entrepreneurship 12 13 years I just had this conversation yesterday (laughs) with who was it oh anyway yeah he's like do you ever think about (laughs) going and getting a job at Starbucks (laughs) because we own coffee shops yeah some days yeah some days are I know those days. Yes, I know those days. Very yeah, I much think so. it, it comes from it comes from the frustration of, you know, oh geez, I wanted to work with that client, but it's not going to happen. Or mm-hmm. you know, certainly coronavirus has, has been actually probably even a bigger challenge for me mentally in mm-hmm. my business than mm-hmm. even starting it. Yes, yes, yeah. I've talked to so many people. It's like all of a sudden we're back at square one. That's that's what this year has felt like. But yes, you know, I've. I've actually been able to reframe it for myself of, mm-hmm. so right before COVID hit um, mm-hmm. bad in March, I kind of had this epiphany, epiphany of my business model isn't working mm-hmm. for me. Um, it's working mm-hmm. for some people, I guess, but not for me because I had 
put myself in this corner where I ended up still working really long hours, like 12, 13 mm-hmm. hours a day, mm-hmm. really burnt out, which mm-hmm. no one wants that. And I, I talked to a business coach and they were like, you need to make these changes. And I was like, great, I'll make the changes. And then the shutdowns happened and I was like, well, fuck. Boom. Um, <laughs> because for months it was, I had like a trickle of work from clients who I've worked with for years, uh, but that was it. And it's really hard to survive on that. Mm-hmm. But I've, I've reframed it as this is not my square one completely starting over. This was square one for my new model. Right. Um, and I, I was like, if I'm going to have the time th- to do this, I guess now's the time. <laughs> the universe, once <laughs> again, was like, here you go. Uh, you need to make this change. And I've given you the opportunity. <laughs> Here's the complete break in the timeline for everyone. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I know. That's there what it s- feels like. Uh-huh. Dare I say the word that's kind of become like ugh, the pivot? <laughs> it is It is the pivot. Um, yeah. COVID I've, became the pivot. I've been trying very hard to reframe that mm-hmm. this year or to that this year. Because I think otherwise I would have been back at like, oh, shit, how is this my life? Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's taken a lot of internal work alone and with a therapist to kind of get myself even to that point. Yeah. Is there any of that? I, I want to hear if you want to share any of that. Yeah. That's the shit I love to hear about. Like what work have you been doing? Yeah. When did you start seeing a therapist? I imagine this was part of this process for <laughs> <Yeah>. you. <laughs> um, so it was like a week after that initial panic attack, but it's like, okay. well, <laughs> time for therapy. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and she kind of helped me be okay with, with leaving DC mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. because I didn't even feel like I was letting my parents down or anything. And they mm-hmm. were like, Hey, if you want to move to Raleigh, like go for it, you know, we'll right. come visit you. But I felt like I was going to be letting like my company down, my teammates down myself down because like, how mm-hmm. could I just quit and walk away? Fiance was that like, yeah, he, was, he didn't, he, he was on board. Uh, he was pretty much just like, we'll make it work. Like, mm-hmm. you know, he's, I'm very much like the emotional, like, <laughs> side of the relationship mm-hmm. and not not in a bad way obviously but he's always just like hey we're gonna make it work and he's very like just supportive and can kind of keep me grounded when I'm gonna go mm-hmm. you know out too far but yeah I think a big part of it for me was if I quit then I'm a quitter and I I don't mm-hmm. like to quit things I'm very much you know I'm gonna finish what I started I'm very much I said I would do this I said I would do this I have to keep my word um mm-hmm. You know, like my company had just put me through this training and I was like, that's going to look really bad that I'm now leaving. I had an epiphany about loyalty in the last like year. Oh, I'd love to hear that. I was like, oh, loyalty is just bad boundaries. You're right. Um, you know, <laughs> or they can be, you know, you know, in that corporate setting, um, mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I would never blame my bosses for it. It was just the culture of that mm-hmm. industry is like there are no boundaries it's the mm-hmm. 10 p.m call we need you to yep. do this yep um like i was sleeping <laughs> and i think even the short time i was in it it really eroded my boundaries mm-hmm. the few that i had i i think mm-hmm. i've always had a problem with people pleasing mm-hmm. even even myself when it doesn't make sense mm-hmm. do you know what i mean by that mm-hmm. like yep yep Mm-hmm. I know this isn't good for me and I know it's not making me happy, but I feel like I have to do it anyway. <laughs> it's tied into what you said before. It was like, I said I was going to do this. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. I don't really know where that came from. My mom said I've just been that way since I was, you know, mm-hmm. like a toddler, basically. <laughs> um, but yeah, that that was such a big part of it was learning that like, it's okay to just say, 
this isn't working and I need to go elsewhere. Mm -hmm. And that is not part of your worthiness. No, it's not. That's been such a big part of my journey is Mm -hmm. what I'm doing is enough and who I am is enough. And those are also two separate things. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of productivity challenge, I feel like, in COVID. And I'm just not here for any of it. (laughs) And, you know, I'm like... I'm really type A, even though I'm also mm-hmm. really creative. Um, mm-hmm. So that's okay. interesting. <laughs> uh, and I'm like, I'm the person who has like their planner and it's color coded and a to-do list. And my day is like time blocked. And then I also do it in Google calendars. Yes. Um, and like that works for me. Like I would never tell someone to do this unless it works for you. <laughs> but you know, it, it helps me. It gives me the structure that I want. And COVID is just... I'm at like 50% of how I used to be with that. Um, And I've even Mm. learned like, that's okay. My identity is not, I'm the planner girl. (laughs) Right. It's just, it's just the structure I've created for myself. Um, And I think if it hadn't been for working on those things with my therapist, I would not be in that position. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I love it. Any other therapy uh, gems? Oh gosh. Um, (laughs) Or like topics you tackled? Yeah, I've definitely tackled like a fear around money Mm -hmm. in therapy or I'm tackling it, I should say, because I think it's always a process Mm -hmm. um, with these things. But like even going back to the the business aspect of it, it wasn't even about my corporate job anymore. Like when I moved to Raleigh, you know, I got a new therapist here. Um, Mm -hmm. She's amazing. And a lot of what we worked on was like, my worthiness as a person does not come from the revenue that my business creates Mm -hmm. and the revenue my business creates does not mean that it's better or worse than anyone else's business. Mm -hmm. And, you know, money comes and goes, but it's, it's like my mission is what's more important. And that mission is helping authors publish their books. Right. There's this one guy I heard on a podcast. I'm trying to remember. I think his website was called your mental wealth. What's that instead of your mental health? I think it was your mental wealth is his website. But he was like a you know therapist. And for some reason, he stumbled into wanting to look for research about money yeah. and all of our disordered thinking about money. Yeah. <laughs> money avoidance, money, yeah. you know, blah, 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 blah. And he couldn't find the research. He was like, I can't believe of all these professionals in this world that you know um psychologists like nobody studied this or maybe if only a handful it's not like a a, it's not a genre in you know mental health and it really should be because it affects everything it seeps into you know our families our marriages our you know self-worth like everything so he started doing it himself and i think his dad is also um a researcher has bradley something but yeah we should we should link to that on the show notes to this. We should find it. But yeah, that'd be interesting to read. Yeah. He has like um, a quiz on his website and I found it absolutely fascinating. He's like, nobody wants to talk about this stuff. He's like yeah. so many psychologists, they don't want to talk about it because they have yeah. their own disorder. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like and you know, and that's something I've not tackled. I got, it's, I got, I got issues about it. It's definitely an ongoing process. Yes. I think it's, you know, just like that starving artist trope. I think mm-hmm. these money tropes are so, so ingrained in society yes. and trying to unlearn them is, um, it's really hard work, especially when you are an entrepreneur alongside that. Very. And a creative entrepreneur, because what I have found comes up for me is 
well, I deserve to be paid for my art, just like my clients deserve to be paid for their art, which is books. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm like, oh, but I can't charge a living wage because then I'm going to be greedy and not the starving mm-hmm. artist, mm-hmm. which, of course, those things or cognitive dissonance, they can't exist together. And that's one thing that I've learned in therapy. Um, <laughs> so it's dismantling those beliefs and building up, like, you know, you deserve to be paid for your work and your art. And mm-hmm. whether it's a side job or your full-time job, I don't think that changes. COVID has challenged that yet again. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, I think so many of us are in that place, um, entrepreneur or not. Yes, Absolutely. Absolutely. Record unemployment. I know our business, you know, the we're operating at 60% of what yep. we were the year before, you know, like it's, yeah, it's not, uh, it's uncharted territory. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, like, yeah, 2019 was kind of like a breakthrough year for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. I was like, I know I'm going to beat it this year. Like, I'm on track already in March. <laughs> right. Boo! Everything happened. And I've had to make oh. peace with that fact. Um, oh, my gosh. But- how many, like, how many people are thinking that same thing of, like, I was on track. I was going to do. And now we're, I mean, we're not all. There are people who, I don't know, Zoom is doing real good right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> there's a large proportion of us, yeah, that are, like, uh, we're, we're in un- uncharted like loss territory <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's about it. um yeah there are lots of feelings about it <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um yeah oh so okay like i feel like do we cover like what else do we need to cover before i well so my other oh shit moment the other mm-hmm. big one in my life that i mentioned was being diagno- diagnosed with an autoimmune disease mm-hmm. um when i was still in high school and through all of this like up and down with the career and the moving and the, you know, figuring out what Mm -hmm. I wanted to do and be and, you know, everything like that. I've then had to deal with my body repeatedly failing me through that process, (laughs) which when, when you're that young, this it's, I mean, I think it's scary and frustrating for anybody, but when Mm -hmm. you're 17 or 18 years old and you go from, you know, I was playing tennis like six days a week and I got so sick to the point where like, I couldn't even like go for a walk around the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's been a continual battle of like building it up and then, you know, your medicine stops working. So then you go back and then you build up again and you go back. What I've uncovered through this process is one, actually being an entrepreneur is kind of up and down as it can be has been good for my physical health um, because I can take breaks when I need to. Yes. Um, You know, if I want a couple days off, I've learned, like, I just build that into my schedule for clients and, you know, set my away message and I can take a couple days off. And no one gets upset about that. You know, that's a miracle, right? Yes. Um, Who would have thought? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But then I've also found through exploring, like, my business insecurities through um, therapy is exploring the insecurities about my health and how it's, I mean, it's all tied together. You can mm-hmm. look at them as separate things, mm-hmm. but they're so inherently tied together. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. always go back to the same things like worthiness, mm-hmm. um, being enough, having control. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's yep. therapy is fun. It's hard work, but it's good work is what I always tell people. And, you know, as I've struggled with learning that like, I am inherently enough, no matter how much money I make or my business makes, or even whether it succeeds or not. Um, It's the same thing with my health, right? It's Mm -hmm. 
not something I can necessarily control. Mm -hmm. I have to be okay with that. And I hate using the phrase being sick, but like having this condition, it has no impact on who I am as a person. Like it might impact my day-to-day life. Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. that's going to happen. Um, Right. But it doesn't make me less than. It doesn't mean that I take up too much space in the world um, Mm -hmm. because I always try to make myself small and like, don't notice me. I'm not here. And I mean, that's, I think that's going to be an ongoing process for the rest of my life as things continue to ebb and flow. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's, that's honestly added such a layer of challenge with the entrepreneurship because it was, it's good for my physical health, Mm -hmm. but how can I take care of myself if I'm not making enough money, Uh, you know, and mm -hmm. you know, there they come together again. Um, And there's always these points where they cross and that's, you know, that's challenging. I've been living with it for like a decade and it's, you always learn something new. (laughs) (laughs) I'll I'll put it that way. And it's, I mean, that's especially scary during COVID. um, Yeah. Being, you know, in one of the vulnerable groups, but yes. Yep. That's why I've been staying in my house. (laughs) (laughs) Real homebodies. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) So um, this has just been such a, like a, these sort of, I've had, a couple of these conversations of people who ended up like in a corporate environment. And um, the last one was, you know, um, a lawyer, a Harvard trained lawyer, Ooh. you know, and she is day two in her New York. Oh my high-rise, gosh. Yeah. New York high rise office was like, what the fuck am I doing here? You know? <laughs> what did I sign up for? <laughs> yeah. And I just love to hear these stories and share these stories because there are other people out there that are also looking around being like, Oh, I thought I was doing what I wanted to do. Uh, but in my heart, this is not what I want to do. I was checking boxes, yeah. you know, like there's, there's the box checking, like a achievement of like, Oh, this is, this is great. This is what we're supposed to do. This is the American, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Equation. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yes. It's not, it's X, not a dream. It's an equation. <laughs> no, it's an equation. Right. And X times Y plus B equals C. Yep. And then we get we, we get to the equals mark and we're like, C's not happening. Nope. I don't feel like content, <laughs> you nope. know. So I love to hear these stories because I think it's it's important and to share like what's gonna happen on the other side of you know, when you decide you're not gonna do it anymore and you're gonna be an entrepreneur, like these are the things that's gonna come up, but like we can do hard things. We can do hard things. Yes. Um it doesn't mean they're gonna be easy. They are gonna be hard, mm-hmm. but um, you don't have to avoid them. You don't have to avoid them. Um, they're really not so scary once you just kind of almost take a step back and look at them with a critical eye and you're like, that's a story I've made up for myself or that's mm-hmm. a story society has made up for me. Um, I don't necessarily... truly believe that in my heart. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think I think there are some people that that's not a problem for. They can do the equation. Yeah. And some people love the equation. And if you sure. don't, like, that's okay. That's okay, too. <laughs> you know, we're, we're not all made the same way and totally, you know, you got to be true to what's right for you. Yep. I agree. All right. Anything else before we do our questions? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. We'll do, we'll do the questions and then we're going to, at the end, you're going to tell people where they can find you if they want to find you. Okay. Like a website and stuff like that. Okay. Okay. These are just like totally off topic, silly questions. Uh, what was your first car? A Volkswagen Beetle. <gasps> what year? It was a 2008. I got it in 2009 and it was black and I thought I was so cool. <laughs> oh my goodness. I missed that car. <laughs> I think you're the second person that's talked about a new Volkswagen. I, oh, yeah, I feel like I did this. I might have. Was it Samantha? Might have been. Some, uh, I'm going to have to <laughs> go listen back. I love it. All right. When did you get your period? 
Oh God. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I was in sixth grade. So it's so maybe like 12, 12. Yeah. 11, 12. Yep. Yeah. That's like 90% of the answers, by the way. Yeah. It <laughs> sounds about right. 11, 12. <laughs> and who knew? Like I remember oh. it was, I was 12, almost 13 thinking nobody had it. If I just pulled my friends, it would have been like, Oh, all of us. Oh, okay. Yep. <laughs> Weird time. Uh, yeah. Real toilet paper over under, or you don't care. Uh, I don't really care. Oh, maybe someday. Yeah. Those of us are over people. Whew, we're real. Yeah, surprisingly, I'm really type A about a lot of things, but that I don't <gasps> care about. Yeah, but not the toilet paper. <laughs> yeah. open to bubbly water. So like That's surprising. Yeah, I've never really thought about it. Now I'm probably going to pay attention. Oh, shit. Sorry. You're going to email okay. me and be like, oh, now I have to be over. Like, I've talked a lot. to other people. <laughs> <laughs> um, are you a fan of Lizzo? I am. I think okay. she's great. I love her TikToks. <gasps> I okay. I have a child who's on TikTok, and um, they've been part of it since it was musically like a long time ago. Oh, okay, I'm and, pretty new to it. I'm a Corona TikTok <laughs> person. <laughs> okay, well, so they experienced like kind of a, a, a you know surge, you know, yeah. uh, sometime this summer in like their following and whatever. My husband and I are like, we're gonna be on TikTok, <laughs> and they're like. Ugh. <laughs> You know, like they blocked me like right oh my away. Gosh, like, that's so funny. Yeah, so that's where we are. And my husband and I are like, how does this fucking app work? You know? <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, I just scroll through for the funny yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah. But um, my kid was like, you're not even following Lizzo on TikTok. And I was like, oh! <laughs> it ju- we just read me did that like this week. I was like, how am I not? Because um, I mean, I follow her on Instagram and yeah, she did she- some really great lives um, during this COVID. Yeah, time. she's got some good stuff out there. God, I love her. And her so music's much. really fun. So, yes. And her videos, have you ever watched the Tempo video with Missy Elliott? No, I haven't. I'll go look mm. that up after we're done. Go look it up. It's so good. Okay. Cilantro, yes or no? Kind of indifferent towards it. Okay. Okay. I believe it. When you drink a latte, right? You're like yeah. at your local coffee shop or whatever. Or if you don't, do you drink coffee? I love coffee. Okay, good. Okay. Because some people don't drink coffee. And I'm like, okay, you're cereal or granola. <laughs> yeah. Okay. What kind of milk do you like order? Well, I'm lactose intolerant with nut okay. allergies. Um, okay. So I try to do like oat milk if that's available. Okay. Oat mm-hmm. milk's great. Mm-hmm. Um, or soy milk, but I can't do like almond or any of the macadamia you can't nut. Do all none of that. Milk, right. No, but yeah. The coconuts, no. Nope. Soy or um, all or oat milk at rice. home. Or I, mm-hmm. I've never tried rice milk. Rice is the old one. Rice, is, rice okay. has been around. Like rice stream has been around since like, you know, the 90s. Okay. So, I yeah. also do um, lactate milk at home sometimes. Okay. Um, okay. Because that's lactose friendly. So. Yeah. We got a bunch of lactose intolerant people in our family. Yeah. So we have like the coconut milk. Oh. Can you drive a standard transmission? Is that the stick manual? Shift? The stick no, shift? No. God, no. <laughs> <laughs> I love I never even things. tried to learn. Um, yeah. My dad got rid of his manual before I could drive, so mm. automatic list for me. <laughs> <laughs> so in your family, yes. where are you in the birth order? I'm the youngest of two. Okay. The, your older brother, yeah. who also lives in Raleigh. Very good. Yeah. All right. Uh, what was your kindergarten teacher's name? Uh, I have no idea, but my second grade teacher's name was Miss Hannah. That, so I always thought <gasps> that was like, that. yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. She, she was the one who encouraged me to write my stories. So, <gasps> mm, yeah. We like Miss Hannah. Yeah, we, we do. Love her. Oh my goodness. You're not, I think multiple people is like, I don't remember my kindergarten, but everyone remembers their second grade. That's so, that, that must funny? be like a critical yeah. time for kids or something. Yeah, something about like kindergarten first. They're like, I don't know, but no. second grade they're tuned in. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> so all you second grade teachers out there. <laughs> uh, and this is the last one. What do you regret more, high heels or jalapenos? Oh, high heels for sure. <laughs> um, I love jalapenos. Fresh jalapenos are fantastic. Um, high heels, no way. Never. I don't think I even own a pair. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right. So that's my question. So let's um, tell me where people can find you. Okay. So people can find me at mm-hmm. btleditorial.com. Mm-hmm. That's for between the lines editorial. Oh, okay. And then, um, yeah, don't mix it up with BLT. It's not like the sandwich. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, didn't really think that one through, but, um, and then I'm on all social media at uh-huh. BTL editorial. But I'm mostly like Instagram. So that's if yeah. you want to follow me on there. Me too. Yeah, that's that's my favorite. And I'm at LaJoy Society, which is L-A-J-O-I-E Society um, on all the platforms. And that's my um, website is LaJoy Society. And all this information is on clickable links in the show notes. So if you pick up your phone and you're like, oh, look, there's a link right to Hannah's website. Click. And I want to contact her about coaching me on writing. Like you can just do it right there. You just click. And while you're there, you can also rate the show. <laughs> I'm beating this lately. <laughs> and I think it's like slowly a couple people are doing it. You got the phone. You got to be close to your phone if you're listening to this, right? So hit it. Hit those stars on whatever, um, whatever you listen through. All right, everyone. We'll meet here again next week. Everything up to this point has led me here and there's nowhere I'd rather be than to be here. All the things that made no sense have felt so wrong and out of place now seem to fit. Pictures.